Welcome to Screen Facts with Jason Davis. Listen to the podcast every Wednesday for a discussion and trivia about a different film. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Thanks, Kim. If you need a female voice for your voiceover project, check out kimsvoice.com. That's K-Y-M-S voice.com. And joining me on the podcast today, this is episode 30. And it's very cool because this is almost exactly seven months after episode one, which was Rocky. And we're doing this uh, podcast today, one week before the release of Creed. Today, my good pal, my brother from another mother, Tim Donnelly returns. Yes. Hello, hello, hello. Yes, sir. And we are going to talk about Rocky Balboa. Yep. Essentially Rocky Six. Right. But the cool thing about this movie, Tim, is that it kind of stands on its own. Very much so. It, if you didn't see Rockies 1 through 5, you could still enjoy this movie. Yeah. There's some uh, some flashbacks. I love the way that the movie harkens back to the to the original Rocky. Great stuff. Yeah, it's very uh, gritty. There was more of a budget for this, obviously, than the original Rocky. Definitely more of a budget than the original Rocky, but it also has a low-budget feel to it, as Stallone goes into detail about on the director's commentary on the DVD. Yeah, so Rocky Balboa, of course, stars Sylvester Stallone as the title character. Mm-hmm. Burt Young returns as Pauly. And then there's a lot of new faces. Antonio Tarver, Geraldine Hughes, and Milo Ventimiglia as plays Rocky, his son. Yeah, Rocky Jr. Yeah. And actually, he talked about why he didn't cast his real-life son mm-hmm. again as his son in this. He didn't want people to read in too much to the uh, kind of conflict between the characters. Right. He didn't want people to think that that was actually going on in real life, too. Right. He didn't want people to, to psychoanalyze the movie, really. Milo Ventimiglia got the gig... Not only because he's a good actor, but sort of because of the way he looks, too. He sort of has the same mouth thing going on <laughs> right, that Sylvester right. Stallone does. The production dates for the movie, October 2005 to February 2006. They filmed from December uh, 2005 to January 2006. Released originally December 20th, 2006. And, of course, the movie written and directed by Sylvester, Sylvester Stallone. Sylvester Stallone, the man. People do not give Sly enough credit. A lot of people think he is Rocky or he is Rambo. And he is, but he's so much more than that in Hollywood. Writer, director, producer, auteur. Uh, I, I agree with you. He doesn't get enough credit. Yeah, a lot of people think he's just like a meathead or something, but he's he's a brilliant guy. Yeah, he is very intelligent. I'm not going to say he's one of my favorite actors in the sense of the way he acts, mm-hmm. but just his story, the way he's overcome a lot of things. Right. And he's bet on himself and won. Yeah. You got to love that about a guy. Come on. uh, Like Rocky himself in many ways. The underdog who comes out on top. Yep. So the film was shot in 38 days. Wow. And the very first thing to be shot was the fight between Mason the Line Dixon and Rocky. They did that because Sylvester Stallone trained for six months going into this. And they wanted to get him in tip-top shape for the fight. Right. Because once he started concentrating on directing, he would have to stop training at that point. Sure. That makes sense. Originally, he wanted to have Roy Jones Jr. for the role of Mason Dixon. Okay. Stallone, I, I did not know that. Yeah, Stallone claims that he left 31 phone messages for Jones, but he never got a response. <laughs> oh, so. well. But he got the <laughs> real fighter, Antonio Tarver, mm-hmm. to, uh, to step in and play the role Mason Dixon. Yeah, he was the light heavyweight champ at the time. Okay. And he actually had to gain 25 pounds to play Dixon. Wow. I could do that easily. <laughs> yeah, really. So yeah, could I. Just, you know, it's called coffee and donuts. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's the uh, Mason Line Dixon right. diet. <laughs> Who knew? Right? <laughs> I could have told him. So the interesting thing, too, is that Antonio Tarver 
kind of uh, held up production a little bit. He he refused to start filming until he was guaranteed more money. So uh, really? Stallone ended up paying part of his own salary to Tarver to get things going. And I think that says more about Sylvester Stallone than it does about Antonio Tarver and how much Stallone wanted this movie to work and to get made. And after the, quite frankly, piece of shit that Rocky V was, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> that Stallone would want to end the Rocky series on his terms, his way. He wanted to make this movie earlier than he actually got to do it. He was, like you said, he was unhappy with Rocky V. Right. He wanted to make it back in 1999, but he couldn't get it greenlit until okay. uh, a few years later. So. I believe it, because I think Rocky V was, what, 1990? 1990, yeah. So this final chapter takes place 15, 16 years later. Yeah. Which, in retrospect, even if Stallone wanted to make this, like you said, in 1999, I think the extended time lapse between Rocky V and Rocky Balboa definitely works. Oh, absolutely. For, for the story and for the characters. Absolutely. Estimated budget of $24 million, which is considerably more than the first Rocky, which sure. this is very similar to. But still nowhere near the budget of a major Hollywood blockbuster film. Oh, absolutely. You know, $24 million budget, that's pretty much an independent film yeah. right there. Absolutely. It grossed $70.2 million in the U.S. and nice. a total of $155.7 million worldwide. So actually pretty good numbers. Respectable. Yeah. Respectable. And like the original Rocky... This was inspired by uh, kind of a real-life thing, too. Yes. Yes, uh, it was. Partially inspired by George Foreman's story. Uh, he had retired from boxing in 1977. Right. But in 1987, when he was 38, he decided to make a comeback. And the comeback culminated in 94, when at 45 years old, Foreman beat 26-year-old world heavyweight champion Michael, Michael Moore. Moore. yeah. And he did it in a kind of a shocking way, too. I mean, he was getting his ass handed to him for most of the fight. And so he stuck his head in a George Foreman grill. <laughs> No, no, he did not. Because that, that, be, that would be shocking. That would be shocking. Okay. That would be very shocking. But actually, he came out in the 10th round, and he landed a right on uh, Moore's chin, knocked him out, and there wow. you go. If I had a nickel for every time that happened to me, I'd have, <laughs> I'd have no money. No, 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 no nickel. No nickels No nickel. <laughs> and of course, the original Rocky was inspired by uh, a fight between Muhammad Ali and Chuck Webner. The Bayonne Bleeder. Bayonne Bleeder. Webner. Yeah. <laughs> it's really amazing how much this kind of parallels to the original Rocky in a lot of ways. Yes, one of the many reasons why I really, really love this movie. Did you see it in theaters? I did. Nice. I did. And I have to say, I've been thinking about this a lot. I may enjoy Rocky Balboa even more than Rocky. And I do. I'm not ashamed to say it. I do. I love the original Rocky. Like I said in the first podcast, it was the first movie I remember seeing in the theaters when I was a kid that wasn't a Disney film. So right. obviously, you know, it had a huge impact on me. Mm -hmm. There's one scene in this movie in particular, which we'll talk about a little later in the podcast. Yeah, we'll get into the scenes later in the podcast. But there's one scene in this movie that to me is one of the greatest scenes ever in a movie. Are you talking about the speech? I'm talking about the, the speech. speech that he gives to his son about life. We're going to get to that in a little bit. Okay. I don't want to get All too right. far so ahead I'm of us. I'm so excited, man. I love this movie. So um, one of the things about this movie, too, a lot of the critics said that the fighting scenes were the most realistic in any boxing film. And they probably were, and there's a good reason for that. Uh, like I said, one of the many, many things that I love about this movie is the authenticity of the fight at the end. It was really shot in Las Vegas with a real crowd mm -hmm. that was there to watch a real fight, right. not expecting to see Rocky Balboa right. come out and step into the ring. Uh, the HBO commentators are real. Michael Buffer is real. So is Joe Cortez, Mark Ratner, Lou DiBella. Mike Tyson is there. And of course, Antonio Tarver is a real fighter. And a lot of the fight was not really choreographed. 
Right. Stallone just wanted he and Tarver to go for it. And a lot of times you're watching the movie, they really are hitting yeah. each other a lot Which of is the amazing. Time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that Stallone's going toe-to-toe with a real fucking toe-to-toe champion. toe with a real fighter, man. Uh, St- Stallone said in the director's commentary, uh, getting hit, it doesn't hurt as much as you would think it would. It just, it stuns and shocks you sure. a little bit. And if you watch, there's one scene in the fight, Tarver lands a shot to Stallone's temple. And Stallone said, oh, no big deal. I can shake it off. If you look closely, <laughs> Stallone is having trouble grabbing onto the ropes to help himself <laughs> up because it, he really got his bell rung. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, I read that he got knocked unconscious at one point, too. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so, I mean, that's, listen, you got to give it up for Stallone. We talk about Stallone's dedication to this film, man. Yeah, and he was not a young man when he filmed this, either. No, I mean, he's, he's not. pushing 70 now. Okay. So, I mean, you know, this is going back about 10 years, so yeah. Okay. Not a young man. So, in addition to them not pulling punches that mm-hmm. they really were hitting each other. They actually used the sound of real punches for the sound effects. Yes, they did. As opposed to in other films when they made punch sounds with shotgun blasts <laughs> and broken bottles, chains and baseball bats hitting right. wet leather. Right. All kinds of stuff. It doesn't sound like that when a yeah. boxer hits another boxer. Right. It doesn't sound like that. Yeah, so uh, it's kind of cool that they went for the uh, the authentic feel, too. Yeah, very cool. And it, it definitely shows in the final product, man. It sucks Absolutely. You in. And the whole thing with them doing the, the fight in Vegas, too, by the way, mm-hmm. kind of happened by necessity. Right. During pre-production, they were trying to find a good location to film the fight. Mm-hmm. And everything was booked out, all the all the big arenas and stuff. Yeah. And Sly knew about this event that was going on uh, in Vegas. Right. And he said, let's piggyback on that. And and everybody cooperated. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. It's awesome. You had a venue, you had a crowd, you had real people, you had HBO. I mean, it was was perfect. And he had no idea how he was going to be received walking to the ring, too. Right, right. You know, he was just hoping people wouldn't boo or cause any trouble or Mm -hmm. anything like that. And as it turned out, people uh, weren't even prompted and they started chanting, Rocky, Rocky. People went nuts. They got so into it. Yeah, and he got more of a pop than any of the other real fighters. Yeah, he really did. Uh, How cool would that be? That that would be... Are you kidding me? That would be awesome. You go to see some fight in Vegas and fucking Rocky comes out. Rocky Balboa comes out? Are (laughs) you kidding me? It's awesome. That's great stuff. Stallone was was genuinely moved by this. Uh, At the end of the fight, Rocky... He leaves the ring. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. He doesn't need to wait for the decision. He's right. gotten rid of the beast in his belly. He's, right. he's, he's proven everything he's needed to prove. And Stallone says, "The enthusiasm from these thousands and thousands of cheering people is authentic. I know they're not cheering for me. They're cheering for the character of Rocky. It's meant a lot to them. They're true believers in what the character stands for. And I was truly moved by that. And at the very end of the movie, or close to it, when Stallone is just standing there, waving goodbye. Yep." To everybody, he says that was a very heavy, heavy moment. I bet it was. He's like, I was saying goodbye to Rocky, mm-hmm. and almost like in a way, I was saying goodbye to Sylvester Stallone in that chapter in my life. It was very heavy and very moving. Yeah, and you could actually tell, and that's one of the things I noticed watching the movie again to prepare for the podcast. You can see in his eyes that he's he's not genuinely acting. no yeah, he's, that's he's not genuine acting. yeah absolutely he's overwhelmed with emotion and it's real. Yeah, it's great. Originally, believe it or not, this movie was two and a half hours. Wow. The original cut of the film. And MGM demanded that he cut the film down to an hour and 45 minutes. The actual running time is an hour and 42 minutes. Holy cow. Um, I didn't know that. I didn't know it was originally that long. Some of the stuff that was cut includes a longer training sequence with both Rocky and Dixon. Okay. More visits to Adrian's grave. Right. Uh, a scene where Rocky follows a woman up an escalator thinking she's Adrian, only Uh to find out, of course, that she's not. Okay. 
And then they actually shot several different endings to the fight so they wouldn't spoil the ending of the movie for the people that were in attendance at the fight. Okay, I didn't know that. And the DVD and Blu-ray does have the alternate ending, or one of the alternate endings, where Rocky wins Rocky the fight. Rocky wins, right. But there was also endings where he, uh, where he wins by knockout and when he loses by knockout as okay. well. The ending that's actually in the movie, and you know, I don't even care if I blow the ending for people. Hopefully you've seen the movie right. already. S- spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. He loses the fight. On a decision. Much like in the original Rocky. Right. Which, to me, is awesome. Yes. I like that he doesn't win. I agree. Because that's not what it's about. Right. That's why he leaves the ring. He doesn't have to wait for the decision. He didn't go there to win. He came there to prove that he's still got something to say and he's still relevant and he had to get rid of that, uh, as he says to Paulie earlier in the movie, I got this stuff in the basement. basement. (laughs) I got this stuff in the basement like a beast inside me. Rocky got rid of the beast and that's all he needed to do. And I thought that that was the big thing in the original Rocky was that he didn't care if he beat Creed. Right. He just wanted to go the distance. He just wanted to go toe-to-toe with the champ. Yep, for the distance. So, great, great stuff. Absolutely. So, speaking of Apollo Creed. Yes. If you pay close attention to the movie, there's a a brief clip of the fight between Rocky and Apollo. Mm -hmm. Uh, They had to recreate that with a body double because Carl Weathers wanted a role in the film, even though the character Apollo Creed died in Rocky IV. Right. Sylvester Stallone said, no, I'm not going to do that. Your character (laughs) is dead. Right. And so Weathers refused to grant permission to use the archive footage of him, Uh, which I think is kind of lame. Kind of douchey. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it it worked out anyway. You can't really even tell the difference. Yeah, it worked out for the best. Yeah. Uh, However, one of Rocky's former opponents does come back in the movie. Spider. Yes. Pedro Lovell returns as Spider Rico, the boxer that Rocky beats in the opening (laughs) scene of the original Rocky. That's right. It's the first fighting scene, definitely, you see in the original Rocky Mm -hmm. is Rocky's fighting Spider Rico. Yep who now just hangs around uh, Rocky's, or really Adrian's restaurant right. in Philadelphia, and has become Rocky's uh, spiritual advisor. Yeah, he's like his pet, almost. Right. He's, he'll go down and do dishes because right. he feels bad. Right, because he feels bad. He's like, I, I have to earn my keep. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. A nice one of many nods yes. to the original story and mm-hmm. the original uh, Rocky mythology, if you will, mm-hmm. filled with references to the original Rocky, which I love. Mm-hmm. The first Rocky and this Rocky are great bookends, I think. Perfect. And I know you and I say that we probably like this Rocky movie, Rocky Balboa, more than the original Rocky, but you have to give it up and give props. There is no this movie, Rocky Balboa, right. if there isn't the first Rocky and everything in between. And And by the way... I'm a huge fan of all the Rocky movies. Me too. Um, and Maybe I, not five. I, you know, I don't hate five as much as most people. Mm-hmm. I will say this. I never understood the hatred for Rocky Five for a long time. And then I watched it again recently and I went, oh, okay. Does not age well. Yeah. It does not age well. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff about it that I think the original Rocky's 40 years old, but it doesn't feel dated when you watch it. Agreed. But I think what, what bothers me and probably a lot of people about Rocky Five. First of all, it's less about him and more about Tommy the Machine Gun. Right. I think a lot of the music and stuff is just very a sign of the time. Yeah, it, it just out. seems to me to be very clunky, very awkward. I don't think the acting is great. Yeah. And, you know, what's up with Rocky's son aging 10 years? Oh, yeah. There's, you know, there's a lot of plot holes that that's, you got to look. That's yeah, it's weird. It's weird, man. He's, he's, a, he's a little kid at the end of part four. And yeah. then he's, you know. He comes home from Russia and his kid's a teenager. Right. Well, that's one of those things that they never really explain, but. Yeah, so be it. Whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I love the first four movies, even though, you know, again, some of it's a little dated, especially the, the whole uh, USA versus Russia stuff. Oh, yeah. 
but they're great movies. They, they are great movies. And I know this isn't a podcast about Rocky IV, but I think that movie came out in 1985, mm-hmm. and it was still the Cold War. Mm-hmm. My friends and I went to see that at the, the old uh, Colonial Theater ah, yes. in, uh, in Pompton, Pompton Lakes. Lakes, New Jersey, at the Colonial Theater. And we took that shit seriously, man. Sure. We took that seriously. I mean, people were throwing stuff at the screen. <laughs> they were clapping. They were cheering. They were booing the Russian. We, we took that seriously. Oh, we were all fully invested, especially when- no, when he kills Apollo? Come on. That commie bastard. Oh, man. The funny thing is, in earlier drafts of the screenplay for Rocky Balboa, Clubber Lang from Rocky Three mm-hmm. and Yvonne Drago had cameo appearances. Wow. The way it was originally written, Clubber was going to be one of the ringside commentators uh, for the bout with Dixon. Okay. And he was going to be making disparaging remarks about Rocky, of Say course. Rocky, ain't yeah. so bad. Ain't so bad. Yeah. And then the scene with Drago had Rocky visiting him in a hospital where he's dying of AIDS from steroid abuse. Wow. Supposedly, Rocky would have told a nurse, if he dies, he dies, <laughs> which is the same line that Drago says about Apollo About Creed. Apollo and Rocky IV, yeah. Uh, both of the scenes were eventually removed from the script, And you know obviously. what? Thank goodness for that. Yeah, that would have sucked. Yeah, that would, that would yeah. have been very hokey. I'm saying no. Sorry, Sly. I'm saying no. Yeah. And uh, actually, Adrian was also in the first few drafts of the script, too. Right. And the script was originally titled Rocky Six Puncher's Chance. Puncher's Chance, Chance, yeah. Which I like. The early idea of the story revolved around Rocky running a local gym for uh, for the youths of the area. Okay. Stallone kind of felt that it didn't have the emotional depth that it needed. Right. And so that's why he decided to kill off uh, the Adrian character. And boy, oh boy, does that part of the storyline give it emotional depth, oh, man. Oh, God, it's, it I'm, crushes you, man. I'm, I'm not ashamed to admit, Yeah. I cried when I saw it the first time. Yeah. And it still sure. makes me a little misty. Well, when, I, when I watch it. Absolutely. Especially when he's always oh, thinking about her and he's going, he's doing oh, the little tour with Polly. Yeah. And he's going to all the spots that were special to him and Adrian. Right. And you see in his mind, yeah. he's flashing back oh, and man. Paulie's trying to talk to him. And but Rocky is just lost in this, yeah. this daydream of, uh, of Adrian and how much she meant to him mm-hmm. and the life they had together. And he just can't stop living in the past. It was actually a collaborative thing. He actually spoke with Talia Shire okay. and said, you know, I really feel like uh, I have to kill off the Adrian character. And she understood. She right. was cool with it. She even put out a statement saying, you know, hey, no controversy here. Right. It's not because uh, I can't agree on terms of a contract, blah, blah, blah. Good for her. Adrian actually has a real grave in Philly, by the way. Does she really? Yeah, I guess uh, the cemetery where he visits, there's a real headstone there still for her. Wow. It's kind of cool, actually. That is is cool. You got to love Pauly. One of the only characters who's in every Rocky movie. That's true. Living. Yeah. Living, you know, as as himself. You got Rocky, you got Pauly, and... uh, and, Duke. And Duke. Yep. Duke the trainer. Yeah. The only uh, three characters that have new footage in each of the movies. Right, right. And not just flashbacks. Right. The paintings that Paulie does in the movie actually were painted by Burt Young. Were they really? Yeah. Ah, oh, it's great. <laughs> it's amazing how we've been following these characters for 40 years. Now, I don't know what the timeline is in the movie. Right. If it's actually 40 years as well. I guess it has to be, right? I, you could assume, I guess. Paulie hasn't really changed very much, has he? <laughs> no, he really hasn't. He's still cranky. He still probably <laughs> drinks too much. He's still a little racist and prejudiced. And you know what? Take him or leave him. That's Paulie. Yep. Great character. And you got to love Burt Young, too. I do. So the whole premise of the movie of how Rocky gets back in the ring after all these years, let's talk about how that all comes to be. Yeah, it's based on uh, something that really happened 
in the movie, there's a computer simulation fight between Rocky Balboa and Mason the Line Dixon, which sparks Rocky's interest in perhaps getting back in the ring. Well, the computer simulation fight between Rocky and Mason is based on a similar fight that happened between Muhammad Ali and Rocky Marciano in 1969. At that time, Ali and Marciano were the only undefeated heavyweight champions in history. And of course, boxing fans, they were always debating who would win if Ali and Marciano had uh, ever fought each other in their primes. So they got Muhammad Ali and Rocky Marciano uh, to go to a, a gym or a boxing ring, I think, somewhere in Miami. They filmed the two of them acting out every possible boxing scenario over a total of 70 to 75 rounds of sparring. Wow. Information about the fighters was then entered into a computer, which were fairly primitive at the time compared to the computers we have today. And the computer ended up determining that Rocky Marciano would knock out Muhammad Ali in the 13th round of the fight. (laughs) So the footage that was filmed was spliced together to show that outcome. And the final result was called The Super Fight, and it was shown in theaters in early 1970. Uh, it was shown once or twice on television, and that was it. And eventually it was released on DVD in 2005. That's very cool. Yeah, very cool. Mason Dixon is not a likable champion. I agree. He's not a likable champion, but I also don't think he's a bad guy. No, I agree with that. In the way that Clubber Lang and Ivan Drago were clearly bad guys. Right. And right. you, you really wanted Rocky to just beat the ever-loving shit out of both of them. Right. I don't think really that there are any bad guys, so to speak, in this movie. That's true, actually. I think the main characters are their own bad guys, and they each need to defeat their own demons and insecurities. That's very interesting, because there's a scene in the trailer for Creed where you see Rocky telling Apollo Creed's son, the title character, the toughest opponent you're ever going to face is that guy in the mirror. Yes, I can't wait to see Creed. great stuff, man. I'm very excited to see it. And I think that that theme runs throughout this movie, Rocky Balboa. The three main characters all need something that they can't quite seem to get. Mm -hmm. Mason Dixon needs Mm self-respect. Rocky needs to escape from the shadow of his past and these ghosts that haunt him. Mm -hmm. And Rocky's son needs to escape from the shadow of his father. Okay. That is a perfect opportunity for us to talk about the scene. Yes. The speech. Yes. I got to tell you, the first time I saw this movie in the theaters and he gives that speech to his kid in the street, I was moved, man. Chills, man. Oh, Chills. big time. Big Chills. Time. It's so good. That is so well written. Sometimes I will put quotes from this speech that he gives his son on the board in my classroom as kind of an inspirational thing from my students. Do they know what it's from? I tell them. Okay. I, I tell them what it's from. And some of them know it because they've seen the movie. All right, so we'll set it up like this. Okay. So Rocky's kid has a job that he hates, working for a boss that's a real dick and has no respect for him, right? right. And all of his friends are always, you know, giving him shit, you know, baby Rocky and right. all that oh, kind of stuff. Oh, your dad, your dad, your dad, your right. dad so this, your dad so that. Yeah. Listen, the character of Rocky Balboa is beloved. I mean, you know, yes. Philadelphia loves the guy. No doubt about it. Because of his story. Right. And even long after he's retired of and course. he's down on his luck and right. people still dig the guy. Very much so. And his son kind of has a problem with that. Yeah. Because he feels like he's living in his dad's shadow. Mm -hmm. And he kind of is, but partially by his own design. Right. If he wanted to step out and be his own man, he could. 
And Rocky makes that abundantly clear to his son yes. in this speech. He talks about how when, when he, the kid was born, he held him in his hand. Yeah, and... you were, I said, this kid's going to be the, the greatest kid ever. And mm. you were, and you grew up good, and you grew up strong. He says, you know, watching you grow up was a privilege. It was a privilege, yeah. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful scene. So after Rocky Jr. is complaining to his dad, you know, this is going to make it harder for me if you go through with this fight. Right, I'm asking you not to take this fight. People yeah. are they are already laughing at you. You're a joke, and now you're making me part of the joke too. Rocky says to his son, you think I'm trying to hurt you? I would never hurt you. Right. And then he basically tells him, look, kid, you know, you make your own destiny. You yeah. you make your own choices of how you're going to live your life. You're better than that. Don't blame me or anybody else yeah. if you're not, if you don't have the life you want. If you want to step out of my shadow, then you can man up and step out from my shadow and be your own man. And don't blame other people for all the bad things you think that you have in your life. If you know what you're worth, then go out and get what you're worth. And don't exactly. be pointing fingers at anybody else because that's what cowards do. It happens to all it's of a, us. You know, it happens to all of us. Obviously, how you perceive your life is part of it too. Sure. You could have the world in the palm of your hand and not even realize it. Right. One of the things that I'm a real big fan of and, and I think is a really important thing is that you should be grateful for all of the good things in your life. Yes. And you should be focusing on all the things that you're grateful for in life. Right. There's always going to be things that are going on in your life that aren't exactly how you want them. That's life. That's part like of life. Like Rocky says, you know, nothing's going to hit you as hard as life will. Exactly. But it's not how hard you get hit. It's how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. Indeed. That's how winning is done. That's how winning is done. And it's true. And I think that if you focus more of your attention and intention right. on what you're grateful for in your life, I guarantee you're not only going to be happier... But you're going to have more reasons to be grateful. Yes. And I think a lot of people do this. And I've been guilty of it too. I'm not going to sit here on you know, my high horse. No, nah, me too. You start to get into this little downward spiral of, of focusing on all the things in your life that you're not happy about. Right. And how shitty things are. Being grateful, gratitude breeds more gratitude. If nothing else, if we can remind people of that, then I think we're doing a good job. No doubt. We're doing a good thing. After he's done giving this speech to his son... As he's walking away from him, he says, don't forget to visit your mother. Yeah. And that's the big turning point for both characters. This advice that Rocky gives his son, it's, it's also advice for the other two main characters in the movie. The advice serves Mason Dixon if he wants self-respect and peace of mind, then go out and get respect and peace of mind. And if Rocky wants to uh, get rid of this beast in the belly, this mm -hmm. fi fire in the basement, then go out and get what you're worth. Yep. It's a great message. Yes, it is. <laughs> So, Little Marie. Let's talk about Little Marie. <laughs> Screw you, creepo. <laughs> you don't forget great insults great like insults, that. Great insults, they last, they last for long. <laughs> <laughs> so, originally, Little Marie was played by Jodie Letizia in the original Rocky movie. Supposedly, Stallone had promised that she would be coming back for this movie. So she said that she cleared her entire schedule to prepare for the filming. Mm -hmm. Then she found out that Geraldine Hughes was cast. She and sued him, right? She sued she Stallone. She sued Stallone. She sued Rocky. <laughs> Which I think is unbelievable. If you go to, uh, to Jody's page on imdb.com, you'll find out that she really does not have a lot going on in her acting <laughs> career. And I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to be a jerk. Yeah. But, you know, when she says that she cleared her schedule to film this movie, would you get a month or two off from uh, your waitressing job to do Ew. this? The lawsuit was eventually settled. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I think Geraldine Hughes is terrific. Oh, she's great in the movie. One of my favorite scenes with her is when they're in Las Vegas and she visits Rocky at his room. And you're not quite sure, is something romantic going to happen? Is she going to push it? And she shows up and gives Rocky mm -hmm. a framed picture 
of Adrian. Yeah, I think she understands that that he's still madly in love with Adrian. Yeah, and there's no changing. There's no, there's that. no replacing her. There's no changing how Rocky feels. But I definitely think there that she does love Rocky for making her feel good about herself. Right. Uh, for bringing lots of good things into her life and into Steps, her son. That, by the way, is a great little uh, subplot in the movie yeah, too. Yeah. How he really looks out for her. Yeah, he does. First with the guy in the bar. Yeah. Where I love that scene. That's a tremendous scene. It's, <laughs> it's a great, an amazing great scene. scene. He, he sends his apologies. Yeah. And then by giving her a job and helping her son. And yeah. I love the dog, too. What oh, the great dog. Butt. Punchy? Punchy. Punchy. Yeah, it's awesome. Stallone says in the commentary that that's, that's Rocky's nature. He's a, mm-hmm. he's a fighter, but he's also a nurturer. Well, know? he's an underdog, he's, so he, he's, he, he gets it. He's got love to give. Absolutely. He, he likes and needs to take care of of people. Yeah. Because that's who he is. Yeah. And he probably learned a lot of that from Adrian, too. Sure, sure. You know, because she always had his back. So. Yeah. The very last scene that was shot was Rocky sprint up the steps of the Philadelphia Museum of Art. Mm-hmm. Iconic. Sylvester Stallone purposely left that till the end because he knew it was going to be emotional. Sure. And, and he kind of thought that that would be a good way to say goodbye, too, to the character. Stallone's wife, Jennifer Flavin, is one of the people who runs up the museum steps during the end credits, which is kind of cool. <laughs> that's great. And according to Sylvester Stallone, the shot of Rocky standing alone on the museum steps before the second set of end credits was actually filmed without him even knowing. He had no idea that the cameras were still rolling. That's great. And it's this beautiful, just slow motion shot of light snow mm-hmm. falling, and you see Stallone facing outward, just kind of standing there with his hands behind his back, doesn't even know he's being filmed. It's <laughs> That's a great. perfect, perfect shot. It's awesome. We all know that Rocky Balboa is a fictional character, but... He is, I think, Philadelphia's greatest sports legend. No doubt. And there's a line in the movie, if you live in a place long enough, I think you become that place. Yes. And there's no doubt about it, man. Rocky Balboa is Philadelphia, and Philadelphia, it's it's Rocky. I love this character. I love these movies. If Stallone did nothing else in his career... He'd have a wonderful legacy this, with this these This is movies. enough to hang your hat or your uh, your boxing trunks on. Yeah, without a doubt. And he's done other good stuff. I love the original First Blood, I think, is tremendous. Yeah, excellent movie. Stallone's great. We said it earlier in the podcast. He's he's underrated. He, Absolutely. He, he deserves another look. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> nice. There's one other scene in the movie that I think is worth mentioning. Yeah. It's when you know he finally does decide he's going to fight. <laughs> And he's going to train with Duke, the guy who was uh, originally Apollo's trainer. Yeah. And he's become good friends with Rocky now, of course, the whole thing with the Russian, blah, blah, blah. He does a a little great speech, too. You know, when he talks about how Rocky's older, he's got arthritis. So you got calcium deposits. You can't throw all that old training shit out the window and start. Exactly. And then he says, so what we'll be calling on is good old fashioned blunt force trauma, horsepower, heavy duty, cast iron, pile-driving punches that will have to hurt so much they'll rattle his ancestors. (laughs) Yeah. Every time you hit him with a shot, it's going to feel like he tried kissing the express train. Yeah. Let's start building some hurting bombs. And in the middle of him giving this speech, he stops to crack his neck. Yes. (laughs) That's so great. That's another great scene. Awesome stuff. So anything else you want to add? When Rocky talks about this this stuff in the basement that mm-hmm. he's got, this this beast in his belly that he has to get rid of, it reminded me of the song, The End of the Line by, you remember the Traveling Wilburys? Of course. In the 1980s with uh, Jeff Lynne, Tom Petty, Bob Dylan, Roy Orbison, and George Harrison. Yeah, super group. That, that super group. They had the song called The End of the Line, and there's there's a line in that song that says, even if you're old and gray, you still got something to say. Rocky wants 
what a lot of us want and crave, and that's just to feel like our existence means something. Whatever you are, be that because you have something to say. Even if you're just doing it for yourself. Right. I don't think there's anything more to say after that. What do you think? Done. Well, if you have any questions or comments, please email screenfacts at yahoo.com. You can also tweet me at Jason Davis Voice, facebook.com slash Jason Davis voiceover. Also, please rate, comment, and subscribe on iTunes. And if you enjoyed this or other episodes of the podcast, please tell other people you know. Help us spread the word. Thanks again to our announcer, Kim, from kimsvoice.com. Again, it's kymsvoice.com. And thanks, Tim, for joining me again for another podcast. A pleasure always, and you always have great stuff, and I really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks, brother. I love doing this with you. I should be thanking you, because this is great. Listen, we both love movies, and we love each other, and... No doubt. It's great sharing this time with you to to talk about a movie. It is indeed. Looking forward to the next one. Thanks to you for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week. Screen Facts with Jason Davis is a production of Jason Davis VoiceOver. Please visit jasondavisvoice.com if you need a voice for a commercial, narration, promo, internet video, e-learning or training program, and more. Click on the podcast page to purchase a t-shirt and support the show. Or get information about where you can download and listen to past episodes. Listen again next Wednesday for a new episode of Screen Facts with Jason Davis. 